The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games podcast network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the snap and crackle of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who doesn't get soggy no matter how much milk you pour on him. Josh, how are you doing this evening? You know, uh, out of all the comparisons that you make uh, of the two of us, I think... Comparing me to milk is probably the most accurate you've ever been. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to make some joke about the Patriots, but then I was like, you know, that's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I was going to make a joke. Today. I know I was going to make a joke about like handling you with kid gloves so I don't get an interference call called on me or something like that. <laughs> the only person with less air than the Patriots footballs or something like that. <laughs> something like that. But That's I decided okay. I decided not to do, go that route. I have hard skin from all of you Patriots haters now, so it's okay. Hey man, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's the burden of being backing a team that wins. That's the burden. Uh huh. I will tell you how I am doing today. I found out today when I went to work that when I was working last Friday night, apparently like five to seven minutes after I left my section, someone broke in to the building and was in my section. I, I literally walked five minutes earlier than him getting into my section. Uh, I found that out today. <laughs> uh, the kid, a kid climbed the school, crawled into um, a dust collector vent and came into my section and graffitied up some, uh, some offices. Okay. And so five minutes course. earlier, I would have been smack dab face to face with this person so i was gonna first i was like oh man were they like was it cold out they needed a place to sleep so at no. first i was like really sad <laughs> and then they just wanted to graffiti everything the fourth floor if you're gonna break into a building break into the first floor <laughs> well <laughs> you, don't you know cl- climb four floors <laughs> all right so, yeah that was that's how i'm doing <laughs> awesome okay well you probably your listener have heard that wonderful wonderful laugh because while josh and i you know we like doing the podcast together on occasional, on occasion, we like to bring someone else in. And while Snap and Crackle might make for a pretty solid breakfast experience, they're definitely improved with a little bit of pop. And the person bringing the pop to the show this week is none other than the host of the Delvin Cox Experience, Delvin Cox himself. Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Let me so, ask you guys a question. Go hey, for well, it. Right off the bat. <laughs> Snap, Crackle, Pop, Rice Krispies. Yes. Yes. How often did you guys just fill it up with sugar? Oh, uh, yeah, we get, I always get the sugar packets at like wherever, like if it's at a house or a restaurant, I just pour them all over the top and then cover it with milk. <laughs> yeah, because I don't never think I've eaten Rice Krispies without like a pound of sugar in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's the funny thing about me when I was a kid, my parents did not allow me to add sugar to cereal. So to this day, Rice Krispies, Cheerios, all of those things, I eat them without adding any sugar to them. Raisin bran? Ever, nothing. I don't add sugar to cereal at all, ever. Oh boy, you poor kid. 
No, I think yeah. it, I love Before cereal. I, I think cereal clearly didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> it's probably the Delvin talk to spirits. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Delvin, we're really thrilled to have you on. And if by chance our listeners don't know who you are, why don't you give them a little rundown about yourself, who you are, all the wonderful things you do on the internet? My name is Delvin Cox. I'm the host of the Delvin Cox Experience, a podcast in which each week I'm on a one-man mission to not our coach through diversity. It's a fun podcast where I interview people every week and just find out what makes everybody special and just the diversity of people and different outlooks of life. And it's a really cool and fun podcast. I definitely agree with that. It is an enjoyable experience. And I think the cool thing about your podcast is that every week, like, you know, we talk about games every week, but on your podcast, like, who knows what you're going to be talking about each week? Yeah. yeah I g- give you guys a little inside baseball. When I first started podcasting, I said, I, the first thing I thought of, let me do a game and podcast. Then I looked, PSVG, <laughs> married to the games, for the nerd. I'm like, you know what? Let me not do a game and podcast. <laughs> Everybody, all my friends are doing a game and podcast. So I need to do something really different. I think that's what's cool about this podcast because it's different from everything that PSVG does. So it kind of has its own little niche. And it's a really cool thing that you guys are doing with this. Well, Thank we, you. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the show, go through a little bit of cow's keeping here. As always, thanks so much for joining us this week. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the things Josh posts over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. You can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So we definitely love five-star ratings over there. And as always, that long-form communication can be sent to boardwithvg at gmail.com. As always, we love when folks use that hashtag boardwithvg on all the social medias because there have been some really interesting things associated with that hashtag. So we really like to see the interesting (laughs) things you guys are posting out there. Uh, Whatever podcast service you listen to us on, we really encourage you to give us a stellar rating, whether that's from the PSVG feed or our standalone feed. And as always, PSVG has launched a Patreon. So we're really thrilled with all the support there. If you're interested in maybe financially contributing to what we do, you can check out patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen. So I do want to give a brief shout out, though, to all those wonderful producers who have helped us this month, including Coach Hulk, Edwin Kahlo, Devin Tyus. Kevin Austin, Chris M, Joel Voss, Professor Switch himself, and Bonesaw. We definitely appreciate that contribution. Also, finally, we're going to be having a community gaming night in conjunction with the Xbox Empire podcast on Saturday, January 26th, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time. We're going to be playing some Halo 5 on the old Xbox One. So we'd love for you to come join us and play a little Halo I meant to dust off my Halo skills the other night, but I ended up playing something else instead, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And I did promise briefly that the Patreon winner of the drawing for Santorini would be announced on this episode, but I didn't get a list of all the patrons, so I wasn't able to do the drawing. But I promise very (laughs) soon, in the next day or two, I will do that drawing and contact that person individually and then announce it next week. Uh, So trust me, I have an extra copy of Santorini that really wants to get sent to someone else's house. So... Enough of all the housekeeping stuff. Delvin, since you are our guest, we get to find out, because I don't know the answer to this question. Do you play tabletop games or board board games? Like, what's your experience with that? And have you been playing anything? My gaming history in terms of board games is I don't play as much now as I used to play, but I used to love games like, give you guys a fun story. 
When I was a kid, I used to play checkers with my grandmother. And she was amazing at checkers. And you, it's crazy to say that because people think of checkers as a, sim- a simple game and stuff like that. But it's a very complex game if you learn it. It's simple, but it's difficult to master. And she was so good at the game. So I would sit there with my great, she's my great grandmother, every day and play checkers with her. And I did this for, I want to say, close to 10 years almost. Oh, wow. Because I was like, um, I was 10 when I started playing with her. And I was like 20, 19, 20, when I started beating her consistently. <laughs> like got like when I got that good as her in checkers. And um, shortly after that, like she passed away. But I will always have those memories of playing checkers with her. So I, I'll find that special. And come, when it comes to board games, other than checkers, of course, I play stuff like Monopoly, Life, and things like that. But I never got into the the big nerdy type games that look really cool, but I literally had nobody to play them with. That yeah. so really quick about checkers here. So you said you know when you got to nineteen twenty, that's when you started beating your great grandmother. Yeah. Like, does she not let you win when you were younger? Was it very much like no, you have to earn this? I'm not going to let you ever win. Yes, and she was very good. She was so good. To the point, like I said, I could beat anybody else in checkers, but not her. <laughs> so that's how good she was. So did she like give you tips or anything or point out what you were doing wrong? Or was she just like, no, I'm going to just beat him for as long as I can? She was like, the best way to play checkers is to be patient. You have to watch the board and be patient. When you start rushing, you make mistakes and that's how you lose. Yeah, I wish I could not have to let my wife win sometimes. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. She she totally kills me every time. <laughs> no, I have to let my wife win because she'll hit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. My wife would just get mad at me and, and not talk to me. I think that I'd rather get hit. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I have a Spanish wife. They like to throw things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then we will go very briefly through our board games that we have been playing so then we can jump into something we can all talk a little bit more about as a group. So, Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Okay. So we logged another game of Gloomhaven in last night, um, which was exciting. Uh, what wasn't exciting was uh, having to pick my cousin up at the airport at 2 a.m. in Boston last night. <laughs> so that was fun. Just adds to my day. <clears throat> but we had another successful campaign. We actually beat a boss uh, and um, furthered the storyline, which uh, it was a tough fight. We ended up getting through it. Um, as usual, they're always tough fights, and we always scrape. <laughs> we get it by at the end. Um, I did play Wingspan. I think we'll talk. I'll wait and talk a little bit about it once you've logged the game in, too. Yeah, we. I have, I have learned it. I've not sat down and played it yet. So I'll just give like an overview of the game um, so Delvin can hear a little bit about it too. I mean, it's one to five players, uh, which is good for people um, who like like Delvin who maybe doesn't have someone to play with all the time. Um, but it really has to fit into your um, wheelhouse as far as the theme, because the theme of this game is... Uh, I want. Do I say bird collecting? Because that's kind of what it is. It's kind of what it is. <laughs> um, it's just a very beautiful game, um, and it features so many. The artwork is incredible. It features so many different like bird types, and and they all have these different abilities. And what you're doing is, um, 
it's a, it's like card collecting, set collecting almost kind of game uh, where you're going back and forth over four rounds trying to get the most victory points to win. Um, and as you're doing that, you're... I thought it was really cool to learn about these birds. Every bird card has this like fun fact about a bird on it. Uh, it's <laughs> totally cool. unnecessary for the game. Like you don't need it to Flavor text. do anything in the game. Um, but I like actually like learned some interesting thing about birds and what some birds do and and um, like the habits of like blackbirds and bald eagles and how many eggs they can lay and how many eggs they do lay and all these weird things that I didn't think I'd be getting out of this game. Um, but we'll talk about it more. One of the other things, the production quality is super high. Um, even when you get the uh, instruction manual, it feels like art paper. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like instruction booklet paper. It's very wow. textured. Uh, it's really nice. Um, and it even comes with a, a setup of how to put everything back in the box, which is a problem for most board games. Um, so that's great, too. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. How do you go about playing a board game by yourself? So uh, this is a game by a company called Stonemeyer Games, and they're very good at uh, including rules for what they call automata, which is basically like an AI character. Um, where it follows specific rules. So like a, like if you're interacting with a, um, an NPC in a video game, like they're preset to do certain things. And that's the same for this rule book. It will say like, do this on this turn. And you're basically playing against a computer that you're controlling in the board game. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and some of their other games, like the, there's a game that Kyle's going to talk about next. And... It also has something where you can add AI characters into your game, and you can actually add more than one. So you can play against other, we'll call them computer uh, players, just to to make that more understandable, I think. But um, yeah, they do a good job with that. Um, and the game plays for between 40 to 70 minutes. So I mean, you're sitting at a good hour for a game, and that's not too long, I don't think, for board games. Um, I think it's definitely a game you could play a couple games of in a row. Um, and if my wife hadn't just got over the flu, we probably would have played another game. Um, and I look forward to playing it again. But we'll talk about that uh, wingspan maybe next week or the week after uh, once I get a couple more plays in and, and Kyle does too. Maybe we'll do a proper review um, because the game doesn't actually come out till March 8th for um, retail. So we'll have some time to talk about it before you can get your hands on it. Okay. Awesome. So, Kyle, I'll throw it to you. So really, very, very briefly, did your yeah. broken token insert assist with setup and tear down? Oh, man. Yes. The broken token insert for Gloomhaven. So, Delvin, uh, this game, Gloomhaven, I have. It's a 21-pound board game RPG. Jesus. It has like a th over a 1,000 pieces in it. Um, and we essentially have to just put like Ziploc baggies in it for the whole time that we played to like keep things separate um so i've had the game for like over a year we've only logged maybe like six or seven games we play like once a month and every time you have to set it up and break it down and put it back in so finally i splurged on an 80 dollar organizer for the game that you have to build out of it's like a cedar wood pieces that you have to build let me ask the question yeah 
How much did the game cost? It, when I got it, it was 120 bucks. So all together with the cabinet is two hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm in two hundred bucks on that. Thing. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> it's are the great. pieces like are the pieces like very like detailed, intricate? This one isn't. So there are definitely some games that cost that much that come with super nice, high quality pieces. This game is more of a a volume. Uh, like it does have some nice miniatures, but the amount of stuff that comes in the game it also includes. Over 99 like scenarios or levels, if you will. So there's a lot of game that comes in it. Uh, so this so is like the really, Witcher really, really of game. board games. Yeah, it's the Witcher of board games, and it was designed by one guy. Gee whiz. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. So I built, we built that uh, organizer I bought, and yeah, it, it saved us an easy 30 minutes of setup and then another easy 30 minutes of cleanup time. That's awesome, though. Per game. So I'm already uh, an hour quicker every game we play. So you essentially get your money's worth out of it just for the time you save. Yep. First game, I think I already got my money's worth. That's really awesome. Cool. And All I completely right. forgot about that, Kyle. So thank you. For no, that. I just I just know that you saw that you had played. So I wanted yeah. to get the feedback on how <laughs> that uh, $80 investment was working out. And it sounds like it's working out quite well. Yeah. Anyone who has Gloomhaven, I suggest buy that. It's worth it. Did you pick up the one for Fireball Island? No, I I, okay. I don't know if I'm ready to invest it for another eighty dollars. Okay. okay, just checking, <laughs> just checking. Uh, so yeah, so I the big thing for me is I completed Charterstone, uh, and I'm really excited and thrilled that that game is over. And that probably sounds bad, but the thing that Charterstone does that I think is really cool and that is so slightly different than some of the other legacy games that are out there is when the game is over it then gives you additional instructions about how this is now its own game as it is. Mm. So you actually, at the very end of the game, get additional rules that you cover up that you were using during the game. It's like, now it is just a board game for you to play, and here's how all the rules are different. But because you have been building these charters that are different, and everyone who plays the game builds, builds different charters, everyone's game is different at the end, like about what's available to you, what strategies you can use, how you can do everything. Uh, and I think that's really awesome. And I really appreciate the fact that they did that. So overall, I mean, I know I've been talking about Charterstone for the last few weeks, uh, 12 games total. Uh, I think it's easily worth the, I think 70 bucks is the retail price. I think you can probably get it for quite a bit less um, often than that. But I think it's easily worth the money. It's a good time. I think the more people you can play it with, probably the more fun it's going to be. So it plays up to five or six, I think up to six because there's six charters. Um, but yeah, it's a really good time. I think it's also nice because the games only last about an hour. So even though you're playing 12 games total, it's only about 12 hours total uh, to get yeah. through the entire campaign, which is pretty great. So I recommend it. I think it's an easy recommend. They also sell the recharge pack. My wife picked up the recharge pack for her game group that I got kicked out of. <laughs> so, um, so the one thing I will say about that recharge pack, though, is it's a little bit finicky to put everything back in the box because you literally have to like it's like component for component remove like replacement. So you have to be like, okay, I'm not using these cards anymore, so I replace those with these. So you literally have to kind of go through and figure out what exactly you're replacing or what exactly you're not replacing. And there's no specific guide about like, get rid of all of this, add these things in. So you have these little like boxes that are in there that you have to like put new stickers on top of and you have to replace all the cards. But like 
all of like the wood components and things like that stay the same. So it, it's definitely less expensive. The recharge pack is because the board is double sided. So you can play it again just by flipping the board over. But it, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. It's just a little finicky to get it all set up again and getting ready to go. Like I said, I think the recharge pack is like 30 bucks, which for everything that you get in there for $30 is a pretty good deal because uh, there's a lot of stuff in that recharge pack and there's a lot of things that you have to um, kind of deal with. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Charter Stone. Um, obviously now I'll never be able to play it again. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. I think this you is one you could play again. play it again. <laughs> you well, it, play your wife's game. I know. It is one that you could <laughs> play again though because like strategy of like how you do things you could definitely do different a second time the only thing that's hard is that there's some things that like they have these things called guideposts in the game so you know what the result of those guideposts are probably going to be the thing that they do nice is like if x happened open these things if y happened open these things so if you didn't get x and you got y well if x happens next time i play i don't know what the results of x are if we get right so it's still new to you yeah so Delvin, do you know like the what a legacy game is overall? Like, do you know like what Kyle's describing? <laughs> I have no clue whatsoever. So okay. Kyle, Kyle's played this game, Charterstone. It's considered a legacy game. There's a few different styles, but what a legacy game means is as you play it, you're permanently uh marking the game, sometimes literally ripping up cards as you play. Uh, when you get Charterstone, it's essentially an, uh, a blank board when you open the board up. And every game that Kyle plays with his wife or however however many people play, you're adding things to the board every time you play. And then when your game is done, for Charterstone specifically, you now have your own board game that every time you play it afterwards, it's like you kind of created your own board game when you're done. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So, yeah, there's a, and it's kind of becoming a, a thing. Risk Legacy was actually the first one. So, Risk was the first real legacy game that existed. And it's kind of started to become the thing because then Pandemic had one, Charter Stones one, um, Seafall. Like, it's really becoming a, a big trend in the board game world. Uh, basically, kind of sending, sending you along a campaign, you know, where right. you're going through and doing your thing and having your own story. And I think that's the thing that makes it a little bit different than you know, video games or even, you know, RPGs or, you know, tabletop are like a game like Gloomhaven in that how how the game goes for me is going to be very, very different than how the game goes for Josh when he plays it. Um, there's no set like if X, then Y you go to A, B, C, D. Like you might just there are there are parts of the game that I don't even know that exist that other people were able to experience. So, yeah, it's like those mystery endings in the video games. That's right. That's cool. <laughs> I have a question. Absolutely. Go go back a little bit. You guys said Fireball Island. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's not the game from like '86. You're talking <laughs> it, about, is it? It well, it is because there's a there's this uh, board game company called Restoration Games that what they do is they get the licenses to old board games and restore them and kind of bring them up to like a more modern sensibility and try to make them fit in with like the hobby board game and then reproduce them. So there is a new version of fireball Island out now with the big, huge Island dropping the marbles and the whole shooting match that you can go get in the store again. That is awesome. I used to play <laughs> that game all the time when I was a kid, my brother, and my dad, I spent hours on point hours playing that game because it was so fun. And it was just such a creative game to come out like 
in 86, they yeah. just had such like creative ways to make you get enthralled to this game. Like I felt like I was on the island playing this game because Whoa. it was so like diverse and how the game was just made. It was such a cool game. And you can play it again if you'd like now. I think I'm going to tweet you a picture of the last time I played it. So you can see how cool it is. <laughs> I'm gonna have to buy that. I'm gonna have to buy that game because that game was amazing when I was a kid. I remember playing it like all day because I remember I remember having it and playing it, and then I remember after I finished playing with my family, I would sit there and play with the set by itself mm-hmm. because it was like it reminded me so much of like Indiana Jones. Absolutely, it was. It is. It is very cool, and I think the new version of it definitely. Um, I think I would say I think it improves upon the old version of the game. I think it definitely makes it a little more uh, playable, a little better. Yeah, <laughs> like I think I think when we look back at Fireball Island, I think we look back upon it and think about how cool it was. But I don't think it was necessarily the most tactical board game anyone's ever designed. So the new version's a little got a little more tactics behind it, just a touch. It's still there's still a lot of luck. That sounds awesome. So awesome. All right. Well, hey, that is it for the board games we have been playing. Delvin, sir, what video games have you been playing lately? Well, funny you should mention that. I just finished yesterday. Well, I didn't finish it. I finished the main campaign of um Red Dead 2. Oh. Really? Yes. Wow. I, I okay. got so excited. Then the epilogue came like, oh, God. Because <laughs> isn't there two epilogues? <laughs> oh, thank you for telling me that. That's even worse. <laughs> I, 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 I think there are. I could be wrong. I, I think I there are. I love the game. <laughs> But God, is it so long? How many hours in are you it right is, now? I can okay. tell you. It, it, it's, that, it's that long, like, and it's a slow build. Like, the last chapter, I think it's chapter six, it's incredible how it's paced, and I love every minute of that. But the problem with the game that I've had is the fact that a lot of stuff in the game is padding, like, in terms of, like, how you really, you can fast travel, but you really can't fast travel. Like, if it had a fast travel system where you could just, like, Go wherever you want to go. Once you visit the town, you can just go right back to it immediately. The game will be a lot shorter, but the fact that you have to like travel so long in the game, it takes like 10 minutes to get to a spot. Yeah. Then even if you want to fast travel somewhere, you have to fast, you have to travel to the fast travel location, then the fast travel to the spot. So it's <laughs> it's it, I enjoyed the game a lot, but it's just it's unnecessarily long. All right, so we're, you know, not too far into 2019, you know, so I have to ask then, uh, what were your favorite games of 2018? God of War, Spider-Man, Red Dead. Funny, because I mentioned all the games I actually beat to. Yakuza 6. It was some great games that come out last year. Games that people didn't even, like, play. Like, it was so many good games, like Far Cry 5. Lilo Cooney 2 came out last year. It was awesome. Um. Just so many great games. When you when you look back at 2018, it was probably one of the best years in gaming. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I know it wasn't that much stuff to come out on Xbox that year, but still some good solid games on Xbox. Yeah. Every system had solid games on it and gave you a reason to want to play that system. Absolutely. So when you're playing Red Dead, because... I played Red Dead for, oh gosh, I don't know, five hours, and I haven't gone back to it yet. <laughs> um, I'll get back to it someday, maybe. But are you were you mainlining the story? Were you doing a lot of the side stuff? Were you doing the hunting? Or were you just kind of following through with the story with the golden path and kind of trying to get things done? I was doing a lot of the story. 
and I was doing a lot of the side quests. Like every time somebody would come up to me or I come across somebody, I usually help them out of things like that. I didn't do too much of the hunting because it's like I said, it's so much stuff to do in that game. And, and it gets to a point where you're playing so long, you're like, I just want to get to the end of this. And it's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing, but especially when you go through those first three chapters where it's not much really happening in the story. And then once you pass that, it turns from like, I want to get past this and stuff to more like, I want to see what happens next in the story. Can we get this buff, this buffer stuff out of the way so I can get to more and more of the story? And I think one of the things that Red Dead does so well is the fact that it's a, the story is a slow burn. Yes. But two things about it. One, to get the best experience from the game, you have to play it a certain way. I want to tell you straight up, you have to play it like a good guy. Because if you play it like a bad guy and you're like doing the horrible things, you're basically making yourself on the evil side of things. You're not going to get the same experience as you play it. The game literally wants you to play Arthur as a hero, as somebody who has a troubled past and is trying to redeem himself for that past and past mistakes. And it gets to the point in the game where, which I think is really cool, this is not a spoiler or nothing like that, but he's kind of like atoning for his sins. And it's it's kind of an amazing part of the game when you're seeing this character who's done so much wrong in his life and reflecting on that is like, you know what, I need to start doing good. And you see him make that change and doing good and making trying to make not only his life better, but everybody else's life better and atoning for his sins. It's a really cool story. But you have to get through it because, like I said, it's a slow burn. Gotcha. Anything else you've been playing other than Red Dead? I'm trying to think. It's been a couple other things I've been playing. Um, Red Dead mainly. I've been playing the Switch a lot, but when, even when I play the Switch, I play a lot of um, play Smash and things like that. I play. That's the thing I like about the Switch is that a lot of those games you can just pick up, play for five, ten minutes, and just put right back down and pick it up later. Yep. That's you don't have switch. to. You don't have to. <laughs> commit too much time to it so like when I'm not when I'm like at a, a place like where I have to go to a doctor's office or something like that uh, or just chilling and uh, I can just pop on the switch game and play for 5, 10, 15 minutes and get on my day but I've been the switch is an amazing console it really is I and I really relate to the play it for 10 minutes part because for me as I play it <laughs> I play Smash Brothers for 10 minutes until a new challenger or a new foe approaches, and then I lose, and then I put down my Switch for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh, I can tell you what I've been playing for Switch. I've been playing um, Travis Strikes Again. No oh, more nice. Heroes. Nice. I know Donnie's in love with that game. What are your thoughts on it? It's it's fun. I, at first, I didn't like how they changed the perspective of the game because it's top down now, but it's still No More Heroes. It's still fun. It's still great, and I I I love it. I I love the fact that. It's on Switch because I think Switch needs more games like that, like No More Heroes, um, South Park and stuff like that to drive in that older audience because there's only so much Mario and stuff like that you can play. Yeah, well, I know some people who could play that till the day they died. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Josh, sir, what have you been playing on your television? So I'll, I'll start with Smash Brothers because I finally unlocked the entire roster so i think i'm done with the game i don't play it anymore is that i how think that that's works? the way that works yeah <laughs> i gotta wait till the dlc comes out until that, so i can unlock six more persona characters that i don't know who they are uh in a piranha plant <laughs> uh i only do it because it's hip to hate on nintendo i really don't hate nintendo <laughs> uh, well clearly with the mpd uh 
sales stuff that was released. Not many people hate Nintendo. No, and they're killing it. Huh? <laughs> they're killing they're, it. They're killing it. Although any any chart that says that Xbox outsold PlayStation, I can't trust. <laughs> so oh, did I it say know. that? I didn't even look. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know about that chart. Um, I did jump into Halo 5 to prepare for our um, game night, and it is confirmed. I am still terrible at Halo 5. Um, probably because I didn't put as much time into it as the other Halos. Um, you know, when all the other Halos used to come out, it was an event. Like mm-hmm. we'd have two TVs in the house, we'd have two consoles. I didn't have a kid or a wife, uh, and we would just sit down for a, a whole weekend and play four-player co-op Legendary and beat the campaigns. I can't do that anymore. So I didn't spend nearly as much time with Halo 5 as I, I would have liked. And like the control scheme is all over the place compared to any other shooter. Like jumping back into Halo, I'm throwing grenades instead of like trying to melee somebody um zooming in instead of shooting <laughs> like what is happening delvin are you a halo player um i love five i play i played the heck out of five i played one i played two i'm not i don't i want to say i'm a halo player but i love playing the story modes yes me too so i would literally buy the halo games for the story mode i'm not now i wouldn't call myself an xbox guy per se i play all the systems but um, Halo is one of those games that I think can just pull you in with the story with Master Chief and Cortana. And people gave five flack and stuff, but I enjoyed it. I liked the story. I liked the fact that it was a different perspective and things like that. And I think yeah, it's people, a really cool game. People just get mad they don't get to play as Master Chief all the time. That's I like what happened Locke. with Halo 3. I like Locke. Yeah, I, I think it's a good story from what I've I've played. Um I don't I, I agree with you. I don't I don't understand the hate for Halo 5. Um but there's still a huge huge multiplayer um group for Halo 5 out there which is great. Yeah. So what um, I hear you saying though is I better play some Halo 5 before Saturday. I mean, no, you should be as bad as me. So don't <laughs> don't play. <laughs> here's here's a very brief aside. I don't, I'm sorry to take your time. Um when I, I played a ton of Halo 3, like Halo 3 was the one that I played a lot of multiplayer in. I used to play like duos and all that good stuff. And like the one thing I remember, like the one guy I played duos with all the time, because like when I started, like Halo 3 was my first Halo. I didn't play one or two. And he, you know, I'm using the AR and he's like, no, you have to use the BR. And I'm like, I suck with it. He's like, you will, but you have to practice. You have to practice. You have to practice. Like, okay. So I finally, you know, got to the point where I was good at the BR and all those other things. And the like one tip I always remember, and I have no idea if it was real, but I do it all the time, and I do it in like every other game that I can that's like a multiplayer shooter from it, is that if you were getting sniped at, is you were supposed to look down at the ground when you ran. Because you're apparently his head animation for Master Chief like made his head box smaller. I have no idea if that's true, <laughs> but that's what they always told me to do. So like every multiplayer shooter now, like if I'm getting shot at from like a distance, like I look down and I run. Like I just, his back. I can't hit his head. What's happening? <laughs> like I like it's just like ingrained from my days of playing Halo 3. Like I said, no clue if that's actually true. But that's what I was told to do, so I did it. And now every multiplayer shooter I play, that is what I do when oh I'm getting shot at. I would run into so many walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and then the last game I played uh, was a game I honestly... It's not even a game. I, I had I did not expect to like this. I thought uh, it was going to be another boring port, but I, 
I downloaded and played that Resident Evil 2 demo. And man, was I impressed with what they did with that game. They really, uh, I think last week, Kyle, you told me it's like Resident Evil 4. It really felt like I was playing Resident Evil 4. It was great what I played. Um, I really enjoyed my time with the demo. Um, so, so are you going to play the full release? I, you know, it's just coming out. It's around so many things. Like it's right. out now, right? Or is it on uh, Friday? Friday. Friday. So like I'm jumping into the Anthem beta on Friday and then that will decide what I want to do about Anthem. And then I guess I could still get it. It gives us about a month between before Anthem to play. So maybe, True. maybe, is it 40 or is it 60? It's 60. It's 60. But the thing about it is, um, the Resident Evil game isn't that long. If I'm correct. If it's if it's following the same timetable as the original Resident Evil two, I'd probably say 14, 15 hour campaign, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's, four campaigns. That's, that's probably if you look for everything too, you could probably get it in ten, I bet. Yeah, because they're not long games. I'm that's okay true. with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we play too many long games. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't got, I can't complain. You just finished Red Dead. <laughs> I tried to play Red Dead online and I was like, a story that I have to play to get to the online mode? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. No. I said, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> what is happening? I just want to play shootouts. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, video game front, it's been late for me. So just those, I, I dabbled in a couple of the Game Pass games, um, but nothing long enough to talk about. Um, so... Um, that's it for me. Kyle, hit us up with some video games. So side story really briefly the other night I was so, okay. So number one, I know, I think I've probably talked about how I have a scuff controller and that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I, that's what I use on PS4. <laughs> Dude, I broke the back paddle again. Oh no. This you is the, stop playing so hardcore. Kyle. This is <laughs> the fourth paddle I have gone through on this controller. And I granted I've had it for, oh geez, three years at this point. But really, like more than a paddle a year, and it's only ever the left one, the left paddle, which is like the one I have mapped, uh, jump mapped to. The right one I've never broken ever. This is the third, four, I, so I ordered three more. Oh boy! Because I'm like, I don't know, because they don't make this model of the controller anymore. So I was like, oh boy, how long until they don't have these paddles available for me to replace? So then I was dumb and we'll see if I keep it or not. But I went and I pre-ordered the Astro A40 controller that's coming out for PlayStation. Yeah. So I pre-ordered one of those. So (laughs) we'll see if I keep it or not. Because I'm just so frustrated with this dumb controller, which I say dumb. I really enjoy it. Obviously, I use it a ton, but really frustrating. And I wish PlayStation would get on board and make an in-house pro controller like Xbox did. That's like really good. Xbox Pro Controller Elite Controller is amazing. It's so good. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, that was my brief rant. But anyway, I was playing <laughs> Overwatch and I did that. So then I was like, well, I was playing Overwatch on PS4 and I busted my controllers. So then I was like, well, I'll jump over and I will play Overwatch on Xbox. So I was playing Overwatch on Xbox and, you know, I have, you know, 500 hours in the game on PS4. And I'm like level 12 or something on Xbox. So needless to say, I was getting a bit frustrated with how games were going. But then I was trying to remember when I first started playing, I had no idea how to do anything either. So it's fine. And then eventually I looked into looking for groups part. And there was in looking for groups on Overwatch, you can assign roles. And there was this group who had six supports. (laughs) So they were they wanted everyone to play support. And the group already had five in it. And I typically play support. So I was like, this seems like fun. Let's do it. So I jumped in. 
four or five other people and me we're all playing the support classes like literally everything else is locked out so the only thing we can play is the six supports now granted we're only playing in quick play uh we went i think seven and one with just supports. just supports we went seven wins one loss um (laughs) playing against infants well here's the (laughs) thing you do that (laughs) well here's the thing like I, you know, like I said, I have, you know, 500 hours on PlayStation and I'm yeah. like level 12, you know, like first, like I have probably five hours, six hours on Xbox. Uh, yeah. One of the guys said, I don't know if it was true or not, but one of the guys like, oh yeah, I play on PC and I, I, I'm a, ma- I play at master's level on PC. And I was like, I mean, you're good. I don't know if your master's good, but that's fine. Whatever. But like everyone was, this was like just a separate account that they have. So it probably wasn't a lot of fun for the other people, I would imagine, and probably pretty frustrating when, like, you know, I <laughs> when you have a whole bunch of supports, like, coming to the point and just being like, we're going to win. This is going to be great. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. I've done that with my Overwatch group, like, on, on PlayStation before, uh, and we've done okay. Like, we've done pretty well, but we haven't done quite that well. So we did that for a while, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to play some Black Ops 4, so I jumped into the multiplayer there. And I don't know what was going on, man. I wrecked. I was just destroying people. So then I said, well, I probably should never play Black Ops 4 again because I just had an amazing night of playing that. And then finally, the big things that I've been playing, though, uh, I am probably 15 hours deep now into Dragon Quest Eleven. Nice. And I, you know, big fan of RPGs back in the day. Played a lot of JRPGs when I was younger. And I've really struggled in recent years to get into any JRPGs just... I don't know if it's a time commitment or what it is or a pace thing, but something with Dragon Quest Eleven is just hitting all the right notes for me. You know, I tried to play Octopath Traveler earlier this year. Like, I've really tried to, like, get a JRPG to, to stick, and none of them have until now. And I, I think about this game constantly. It's, like, the only game I want to play right now is, this, is Dragon Quest Eleven. So um really enjoying my time with that. If you're looking for a very old-school JRPG, and old-school in all the good and bad ways, uh, I would definitely recommend it. You know, it's it's beautiful. I'm playing it on PS4. Uh, I know it's coming to Switch theoretically sometime this year, um, but I'm really enjoying my time with it. I think it's going to be a good fit for the Switch if you don't want to spend that much time sitting in front of your big TV just hitting X over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> they do some nice things, though, that you can like set your um, the, your the characters in your party to just be like, hey, you're just always going to do this thing so that yeah. you don't have to control them all the time and all that good stuff. So, you know, they've added some of the more modern things you're seeing in JRPGs these, these days. Uh, but yeah, overall, really enjoying my time with that. And then finally, the game that I'm kind of don't want to admit that I'm playing, but I'm really, really sucked in deep on. Uh, have you either of you heard of Legend of Soulguard? I don't know what this is. Is that that game that they say like the worst game ever made or something like that? I, I man, if it's the worst game ever made, uh, the worst game ever made is pretty good. It's a mobile game. It's a mobile. It's a mobile game. Legend of Soulguard. It is a match three tower defense game kind of and you're going uh, through the different nice. realms <laughs> I never, I never right. <laughs> like i i shouldn't there's nothing about this game that i should enjoy right but i heard a couple people talk about it and i was like well they really are liking it i'm gonna go ahead and give it a whirl and you're basically going through the different realms of um it actually in some ways this kind of ties in a lot with like god of war as far as it's like going into that mythology I that god of war. Game. you I have played have played you played it game. yeah so it's like a match three tower defense where you're basically like match it. You're fighting against an opponent, like an opponent, a map, whatever you want to look at it. And you like have different fighters and different units. And like when you match them, like 
If you match them horizontally, they make like defenses. If you match them vertically, they become attackers. If you match them like in a square, they become like the big version of that thing. And it does like more damage and things like that. So it's it's really interesting. And it is ripe, ripe with all of the free to play. Buy this thing, buy this thing, buy this thing. Pay for money for energy. Pay for money for this thing. Oh, but that's a little cool game. But man, I am uh, I am loving it. Like it's the I bought New Super Mario Brothers U on the Switch with the intent of playing it for this week. But every time I have time to play my Switch, I've just been playing Legends of Soul. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am so stuck in. <laughs> I haven't spent any money. I spent zero dollars. <laughs> That's good. But my goodness, I, I am really, really enjoying Legends of Soul Guard. I would recommend at least check it out. It's a little confusing at first, and there's a lot of stuff they throw at you right away. But kind of once you get in um into it, uh it's it's a it's a good time. Um yeah, it's kind of every once in a while I find these mobile games that just absolutely suck me in. Um I am in Jotunheim right now. I'm on the se- in the second realm. Uh, so I'm, let's see, I'm on level 64. <laughs> wow. Well, I can't be a hypocrite. I play Marvel Strike Force so much that it would be <laughs> wrong for me to criticize you for playing a mobile game. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, those are the video games that I've been playing. Delvin, I just have to ask, do you play mobile games at all? Once in a while, I try not to get into them because I know they are very addictive and like, like, like Marvel Strike Force. That's something I probably would play a lot. Or the Walking Dead game, mm-hmm. I played a little bit of, but I know if I get into it, it's gonna consume my life, and I only have enough stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, hey, you know what? We are fortunate enough to have Delvin on the show with us this week. And if you're not familiar with the Delvin Cock experience, first off, you should be. You should really listen to his show because he has some absolutely fascinating guests on, in addition to himself being on it. But What he does is he starts his show off with the five for five, five questions with five answers to get the ball rolling. So I figured, and after talking to Josh, we thought it'd be appropriate to turn the tables, Delvin, and we're going to do five for five with you. How does that sound? Sounds awesome. I'm ready. All right. So Josh, do you want to go take your first question or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I mean, I apologize if you have asked someone this question before, because you have so many episodes, it would be impossible for me to back research that. (laughs) But I'm going to start with a light question before we drop into maybe a serious question or two. Okay. Uh, so you have your own late night talk show. You get to do the casting. Who is your first guest and why? And what do you ask them? Okay. The parameters for this first guest. Anybody living or dead? Yeah. Let's say you're the new Jimmy Fallon. You're the new Tonight Show host. And you're like the Dalvin Cox Experience show. You get to have someone on. I mean, if you want to summon dead people, that's fine with me. You you go ahead and do that. Okay. No parameters. <laughs> if, they're, if they're dead, the first guest I have on is Michael Jackson. Okay. And what do you ask him? I would, it's a couple of questions I would want to ask. I would, I would want to ask him, what was it like making like Thriller or Off the Wall? And did he expect it to be as big as it is today? Because like Thriller is one of those songs the album itself are one of those songs that 20 years from now, people are still going to be playing. Yeah. They still are playing it now. Yeah. yeah so it's amazing to have make something that's going to live on for the rest of not only my life, but probably my kid's life. And that legacy will never die. And it's having a lot of pressure to just have that in your wheelhouse where you make an album that's basically a classic. Then you make another album that people consider a classic. Then people still expect you to consistently do that. And then when it doesn't happen, 
Like, oh, it's over. Right. I, mean, I just find that fascinating how that how that works out with artists in general. Yeah, All right. It must be insane. So this is gonna this is still question one because this is gonna be one point five <laughs> because I want to know the answer to this. Who would if you had to keep it to someone living, who would you pick? Barack Obama. Nice. And Reason what would you ask him? I would ask him what was it like being the first African American president and having to deal with everything you've dealt with because of that. In terms of like people were when he became president, people came out of pocket. They were saying stuff that they would not say about any other president. They were getting mm-hmm. racist. They were getting offensive. And he just kind of had to sit there and bear it. He wasn't really sitting there, like, for example, not to bash our current president, whoever you may say or not. There's not too many things you're going to say about President Trump, and he's not going to clap back at you. Right. Barack kind of carried himself with grace, even when they were saying not only awful things about him, but awful things about his wife. And that has to be hard. Absolutely. I can't I think this is the reason why I mean I can't imagine somebody being like, I want to be president. Worst job in the world. I would never want to do oh, it. Oh man. No way in heck. All right. So those are two great answers to question number one. I'll ask a, a little bit well, a little lighter question still, I think. What is the best movie that you have seen the fewest number of times? Huh. So this is a really good question. Because usually movies I like, I watch a lot. Okay. Um, I got an answer. I got an answer. Excellent. They Live with Roddy Pike. Nice. Wow. Okay. Why Why do you pick that movie? Because it's a, it's a very underrated movie. In terms of like pop culture, like people take quotes from that movie all the time. It's, it's unexpectedly very good. It is one of John Carpenter's best and most slept on movies. But I can't remember myself seeing it that much. Like, I didn't see it in theaters when it came out. I remember watching it on um, TV. Like, I think it was um, down here with Channel 33. It was UPN. They used to show it a lot. And I didn't realize the line, I came to chew bubblegum and kick A, what he really <laughs> said, because I used to see the non, the, the TV version of it. So he didn't say that line. He used to say, like, I came here to chew bubblegum and kick butt, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Until I didn't notice what he said until I actually bought the DVD. I'm like, oh. <laughs> there we go that makes sense <laughs> but yeah that, that's they live an excellent movie i haven't even thought about that movie in so long yeah you should watch it again it's a really good oh, movie. i should i mean i saw it but i saw it like i mean i probably haven't seen that movie for 20 years yeah man it's really good it's a very slept on movie roddy piper was actually a pretty good actor wow all right josh throwing it back to you sir I just think Roddy Piper and I think of that uh, Frogtown movie that he was the star of, which was <laughs> one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, but, um, okay, so you're probably, you can tell by my questions, my branding in, in life is pop culture. So That's the wrong word, yeah. you get to pick, you are going to become a member of a fictional family. What family do you decide to join and why? I don't know the name of the, the Schroeders from Silver Spoons. The Schroeders? Nice. <laughs> that big cool house. <laughs> That's a great the, answer. With the train that goes through the whole house and he had the arcade cabinets. Yeah. Single dad. I'm, that house is like, it'll be pretty cool to grow up in. He's he's rich. I think he's a millionaire or something like that. And he 
loves toys and games. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> if we aren't the same exact age, I would be shocked because <laughs> 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 we we must have been living in the same world. <laughs> wow. Another answer. I was not expecting that one at all. Okay. I haven't <laughs> I thought about silver spoons in forever. I love silver spoons. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So we're going to get a little, a little deeper on this next question then. Okay. What's the best advice you ever received that you did not take? <sighs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. That I didn't take. Yep. See, usually when I get good advice, I take it. That's the thing about <laughs> it. I can't think of any that I didn't take. I can tell you uh, something that I did, advice somebody gave me that I did do that turned out completely wrong. That's how we can go that direction then if you'd like. Because okay. this is what comes off my head. And this was, I when I was younger, I had a really good GP. I think it was 4.0, something like that. And I always went to go to Michigan for college, like University of Michigan or UCLA. I got accepted into both schools. My family was like, nah, you should probably stay home. You should go to um, one of the local colleges because it's, it's going to be cheaper. And even though I had full scholarships to both, and, you know, and also we're going to need you here. I decided to stay home and I regret that decision to this day because it one, because when you're staying home, you kind of have that to lean on as opposed to going out and experience life in college and knowing like it's either sink or swim in this type of environment. And not, not only that, the college I went to while it was good, I felt like I didn't get the full college experience from it. Hmm, interesting. It's I find this, I find this fascinating because like, that would be my exact same answer to this question if I went to say if, if I went your direction with it as well. I didn't go to way to school, and I totally should have. <laughs> yeah, I recommend any younger people who listen to this podcast if you get a chance to go to school away from home, take the opportunity. Yes, do that. <laughs> All right, Josh, back to you for five, number five. All right, I'm gonna keep it light. I did have you. I did have a, a serious question, but you kind of asked it in yours, so I'm not gonna ask it. So here's my question, uh, and uh, be honest: What is the last thing that you listened to that you'd be embarrassed to tell people about? Well, song Mus- music-wise. Oh, I can pull up stuff right now. I don't think there's nothing I'd be embarrassed to tell people I listen to, but let me pull up something right now because I always I'm always examining songs all the time because it's a song that um I wouldn't know and I'd hear like oh that's a pretty cool song the last song I should was um the cars you might think okay that's nothing to be embarrassed about no. I don't think <laughs> that's yeah. a good one but you know people look at you crazy when you're a, a black guy you're listening to the cars and <laughs> stuff like that Elton John and stuff stuff like that but yeah I listen to all type of music. I feel okay. I feel that because I I tell people I listen listen to Childish Gambino and I I get <laughs> I, I get cross eyed looks. <laughs> so all right, this is going to be an extraneous question just because I think we need an outsider's perspective on this from our you know very insular PSVG family where we have this discussion often. Okay, and this is kind of like you're gonna you're gonna draw a line about who you can be friends with in PSVG and who you can't, Delvin. Just so you know. <laughs> Are you going rogue and doing a six for six? I'm doing, I'm going rogue. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, and I promise listeners we'll get back to games here in a moment. Does pineapple belong on pizza, Delvin? <laughs> Heck no, it doesn't. <laughs> All right. That is awful. Let's wrap the show up. We got nothing else we need. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
You just so you know, Delvin, that is the correct answer. Nice work, sir. All right. That is not the correct answer. <laughs> oh my god. Don't put that crap. <laughs> All right. So hey, you know, I know Josh and Delvin talked a little bit about potential things that we wanted to talk about regards to games. And after some soul searching and some discussion, it sounds like, you know, the importance of games in our lives has changed from the times we were kids till now. And all of that. So we just want to have a, you know, little round robin discussion here about the importance games has had in our lives when we were kids compared to now, kind of why that change has happened or hasn't happened. So, you know, Delvin, as our guest, let's, what's your kind of your history with, with games and the meaning to those in your life and, and kind of how you've gotten into them? Well, let's start off with board games. Sounds great. Because this is a board game podcast, so I should probably say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, growing up, when I was younger, like, um, I have a brother and a sister, so video games were expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is called a spade a spade. Like, when I was growing up, like, cartridges for the NES were $100 in some cases. So one of the things that we used to always get was board games. And growing up in the inner city, my mom didn't have much money, things like that. You Board games helped pass the time and make you feel like you wasn't poor or broken. I think... I can straight up say I grew up in poverty. My family didn't have that much money and things like that when I was growing up. It's diff- a lot different now, but my mom was a single mom. She did what she could for us. And when you're sitting there playing games like Monopoly, I remember I had um, an Inspector Gadget board game. I was playing. With, I used to always play with me, me and my brother and my little sister. And when you have that type of those type of things to spend time with your brothers and sisters playing games, you don't think about all the the bad things that's going on in your life or things that you may not have like in terms of like eat, like things like people take for granted like food every day or things like that not saying that we went hungry all the time but you know your mother's out there struggling and as a kid there's things you want like for example when I was a kid I always wanted um uh, Optimus Prime but my uh, parents couldn't afford it my mom couldn't afford it my dad wasn't around all the time it wasn't like he was a bad dad or nothing like that it was just more or less they were divorced and my mom didn't want him around, so he came around when he could. So a lot of times, instead of getting toys like Optimus Prime and things like that, she did get us a board game. So it was like stuff like Clue, Monopoly, of course, Game of Life, Fireball Island. So sitting around playing those games, I cherish those moments, like sitting down with my brother and sister playing those games. And as I got older, my brother ended up going to the military. My sister started doing her own thing. Video games kind of took that because they, I didn't have my brother and sister around anymore. So I started playing video games more and more, like NES and Super Nintendo. And now that I'm older, I kind of do play do the video game thing with my, my kids, my daughter and my son. They play video games. Like both of them have Switches. I have a Switch. We are, each one of us have Switches. So we play stuff like Smash Brothers together. It's almost like we don't play board games as much anymore. Our board games now is kind of playing the Switch and stuff like that. And that's how we build our memories, of course. Yeah. That's great because there's board games coming out on the Switch, so you can even incorporate those. (laughs) That would be cool. I would like to play something like, um, see, the Monopoly games I think would be cool on Switch, but I want them to make it so you can pick your game board. Oh, I gotcha. Like, uh, for example, like if I wanted to, they can even do it as an add-on, like if I wanted to play Mass Effect Monopoly or The Walking Dead Monopoly or something like that, Yeah, I just buy the board in the game and have that as my game board. That's a great idea. They should probably do that. <laughs> all, apparently all, all the license to these games, I don't know why they don't do that, but yeah. I think 
that would be a cool thing to do. Huh. That's, that's cool. Really, that's really interesting. And I, I find it fascinating. Like when I think about, you know, hearing you talk about your experience growing up with board games versus my experience growing up with board games, because I, you know, I, I grew up in the suburbs, but, you know, I was from a, for my suburb, uh, a very, we were, you know, a lower middle class family. And w- when I say that, I, what I mean is that my dad was the only one who worked. My mom stayed home, took care of the kids. But we were like, when I was younger, when I was pretty young, my dad had a heart attack at a very young age. And like, just from that and him missing work for a couple of weeks, like we had to be on, um, we were on food stamps, we were on assistance, like just from that situation. So for our suburb, we were definitely like the lower middle class folks who were living there. Um, but it was interesting because I actively like pushed board games away because I already felt like I didn't fit in because of our socioeconomic status. So even though I was interested in them, I rarely wanted to play them because I so desperately wanted to fit in when I was a kid that I was like, no, I'm not going to play those things because they're called board games for a reason. Um, that's actually part of where board with video games came from. As far as the name goes, is me remembering that as a kid saying those things but I, I just think it's really interesting of like you know where you grew up and like what your situation was and like how you coped with that situation might have a huge impact on like what you what your memories are around something as simple as board gaming like yeah. what that situation is yeah it's total escapism yeah absolutely yeah 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 i mean my story isn't that much different i would say like i had a brother a younger, I have a younger brother. He's three years younger than me. So, um, you know, we grew up on the traditional stuff, Monopoly, Yahtzee, um, and then maybe the not so traditional for kids like Rummy Cube, my, my parents taught us. Um, and uh, Mastermind, if you remember that game, um, Cribbage, all that kind of stuff. So we would do family game nights like um, – when I was a kid, Disney had something on ABC every Sunday night. So every Sunday night was was a movie night, and that's what the family would do. But on Saturday nights, we would try to do family game night, and we played like Yahtzee. Or my parents splurged on this like four hundred dollar Monopoly board that has golden hotels and silver houses. But that was that was like way 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 later down the line, like when we were almost teenagers to adults. Um, but we also like grew up, like my dad worked, uh, so much. We didn't see him during the week because my mom stayed at home. So he was a single provider for the family. And, um, we kind of had that experience that like you had Delphin where my brother and I would just sit in our room and, and play board games. And, and my parents did a great job of not letting us know that we were basically poor because we would ask for stuff and get it, but we would get it a year later and they would get it from like a secondhand store and we would never realize that. So we kind of were doing the same thing. We'd sit down, we had like an Iowa tape deck and we would just put in a cassette and we would play like um, key to the kingdom in the bedroom or we had like a Silverhawks game that from the old TV show that they got at like, like the value store in the neighborhood. That's and we awesome. would just play, we would just play those games. And, you know, half the time the board games are missing pieces and uh, we would just make do with what we could, or we'd be seeing who could cheat the best. Like <laughs> I was notorious for like sitting on cards uh, up until now, if I still play like poker with my cousin, he always makes everyone check underneath my seat to make sure I'm not sitting on an ace. 
I'm like, I'm an adult now. I don't cheat anymore. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You always say that. <laughs> uh, so that was like, that was our board game stuff. Like I didn't really get into the board games the way we are till maybe seven years ago or so. So it's relatively new for me. Um, and video games were always in the picture. You know, our neighbors had an NES and we begged our parents for a Nintendo we got one a year later, and and they ended up playing it more than us. It was crazy. <laughs> like I always, I'll always remember this story where my my mom woke my brother and I up at midnight on a school night because they got to the final Bowser, and they wanted us to see them beat it. And Did they beat it? They beat it. <laughs> but you like we would leave the house with the the Nintendo was on the carpet on the floor. And we would leave the house with the Nintendo on paused because you couldn't right. save games. And like, God forbid, someone kicked the reset button with their big toe. And it happened <laughs> so many times. Uh, we, I don't know. I don't know why the NES was ever on the floor. Why? No, you can't <laughs> kick it if it's above the floor. <laughs> but that's just like, that's how we grew up too. Like, um, and it's kind of crazy to see not only where board games have come, but video games too, like where we are and, and who knows where we're going to be by the end of this year, by the end of 2019, we might have two new consoles announced. We might have crazy new board games available. Uh, Best time to be a gamer. By it far. is absolutely. And it's, and it's cause it's socially acceptable now. Like when we grew up, you were a nerd if you played board games and video games like now we're out here teaching people how to play games we're out here on podcasts talking about video games some people make a living doing this it's like Shoot, it's probably the best time to be a nerd if anything yeah it absolutely is i i would 100 percent agree with that 100 percent. all right any final thoughts on uh board games growing up with board games what they mean to us now i can't wait for my son who's going to be two in March to grow up with all these crazy board games that I didn't have when I grew up. It's but what if nice. he doesn't like them? He's going to, he's going to like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get a 50, 50 shot, right? If he doesn't like board games, hopefully he'll like video games or vice versa. <laughs> I don't know if it quite works that way. I don't think it's just like either or. It could be both, but I'm hoping that I have a better shot at least to have him liking one of the two. <laughs> So, Delvin, I have to just ask the question then. You said, you know, with your kids, you spend a lot of time playing video games together. Has the idea of playing board games just nothing, something that hasn't come up? Have they just not been interested? Why don't, why doesn't, why aren't there family board game nights? They play board games together, but I hate how they play board games. (laughs) (laughs) Because I bought a good example of this. I bought them uh, the Monopoly Mario Mm -hmm. and the pieces are like all over the house. Uh-huh. I'm like no 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 no, no. <laughs> and and I'm like no I can't do this with you guys I'll go crazy with you they don't take care of the board and stuff like that I'm like no nah, I can't do this with you guys yeah I understand that I would not be able to do that <laughs> that would drive that drives me absolutely crazy there's pieces missing years. yeah <laughs> so similar to that and this is funny because it has nothing to do with kids since I don't have kids um in Charterstone, you have to put stickers in the rule book, and there's like a perfect little like outline in the rule book about like where the sticker needs to go. And I was putting them all in. I was putting all the stickers in as you're like re-getting the story and reading the rules. 
And for one of them, my wife was reading stuff and then she put the sticker in and then gave the book back to me. And then I looked at it and it's not like where it's supposed to be in the square. And like I sat there and I was like, this isn't a big deal. This isn't a big deal. And I'm like trying to like see if I could like nonchalantly like peel it out. So I can like put it back in the right way. And I'm just like, it's not not going to be, it's not a big deal, Kyle. It's just not a big deal. And I'm like, every time I look at it, I'm just like, oh, it's not right. It's not where it's supposed to be. And then you had to put like multiple stickers over it later. So then I was like, well, crap. Like, should I try to recenter how it's going to be? But then that part's going to be sticking out and it's still not going to look right. Like, do I just put it like on top of where it is in the wrong place? Like, what do I do? And then I had to have a really long conversation with my wife about like, what, where should I put this sticker? And she's like, are you trying to tell me I did this wrong? And I'm like, well, no, I'm just trying to explain why it's taking me so long to put this sticker in this book. Not, not trying to tell you you did this wrong. It's just that you didn't do this right. Correct. <laughs> exactly. And like, I don't know why you like stuff like that usually doesn't bother me, but for some reason in that game, like when I was looking at that sticker and maybe it's because of like the 60 or 80 stickers that are in the book, it's the only one that's not in the right place. Yeah. I have my moments like that. Oh my gosh. I, you know, you have to do throw that well, rule book away. I know. Start all over again. <laughs> start all over again. Absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, you know, Every week, we ask, reach out to the community to get some questions about that they'd like us to discuss. And I will say, we got some really interesting questions when we said Delvin was going to be on the podcast. <laughs> uh, some of them are on our show notes that he sees. Some of them are not. So we'll kind of see yeah. how this goes. And we're going to probably, um, Josh is probably going to throw a couple extra ones in. So Josh, why don't you take it away with those listener questions we got at Board with VG on Twitter? I'm going to do that. We asked for questions, and people did not disappoint. <laughs> <clears throat> So while we were recording, uh, I'll start with a question we got while we were recording. So Paul Calico, uh, super listener, uh, at, at pcalico84 on, on Twitter, he says, Delvin, uh, who is your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and what are your thoughts on possible new movies? Favorite there Ninja Turtle, Michelangelo. There, oh, I was going to say, there's only one right answer, and it's Donatello. <laughs> I like Donatello, but I love Michelangelo. <laughs> He's such a free spirit, especially yeah. if you watch the um the rebooted cartoon, not the one that's out now, but the one before that one. With the regular it, animation, not the weird ones. Yes, with the it's the regular CG animated. Yeah, it's really good. It is incredible the way they do each character, how they make them so different, and like it's a great. Watch the old, the new, the new. What is it? I forgot. It's called it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Watch the reboot Ninja Turtles series. It is awesome. Okay. By far the best version of it. Cool. And how and I you, feel about a reboot? Yeah, impossible new movies. If they do it right, I love it. I think I didn't like the Turtles reboot that they did recently because they made them like two, like they were on steroids or something like that. I kind of enjoyed the old school look of them from the old movies. Yeah, that holds up, I think, still. Yeah, it does to me. Cool. All right, let's start. You saw this question earlier. Everyone saw this question earlier. Let's well, start with this question. <laughs> This question is from uh, the Raw Opinion Podcast at Raw Opinion Pod. And uh, I mean, let's just put it out there. What's the worst thing you've seen someone do with a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, stand by the sensor button. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep it clean <laughs> because this could go a whole other route. But the worst thing to me that I've seen somebody do with a hot dog is just because it's disgusting to me. Somebody put like mayo on a hot dog. Like uh, all yeah, over the I, hot. I, I, I no, I don't. I dislike mayo, 
already, but I don't think mayo should be on a hot dog. It just looks weird. And like, not only that, because I see somebody put mayo on a hot dog by itself. Mm. Like no ketchup, <laughs> just mayo. Like, ugh. I'm trying to think if I've ever had mayo on a hot dog. I like in, in any like some fancy like because you know I like am willing to try eating almost anything one time. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've ever had. I don't think I've ever had mayo on a hot dog. I don't, it definitely has not crossed my mind. But now that it's there, I'm probably gonna try it. Don't try it. <laughs> don't do that, Kyle. <laughs> don't. Kyle, if you try that, I'm gonna make sure every pizza I eat from now on has pineapple on it. Don't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> I, Josh, what's the worst thing you've seen someone do with a hot dog? Oh, I was going to ask you. I'll I'll go. Um, so <laughs> uh, earlier last year, I worked with a. Do you know what I say when someone's a one upper? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I worked with a one upper. Um, this kid, I, people notice me at work for how much I eat. I just. I don't intentionally eat excessively. I just eat until I'm not hungry. So they always comment on how like skinny my frame is and how much I can eat. So it becomes a topic of discussion. So one of the kids that used to work in our building was very upset. He wasn't getting the attention for how much food he eats all the time. So he challenged me to a hot dog eating contest. I do remember the hot dog eating contest. Which we did. Um, but something that I thought was disgusting that he did with his hot dogs was he was simultaneously drinking chocolate milk while eating them. Oh, and I thought that that was one of the most disgusting things I have ever seen done with hot dog eating. <laughs> like I just feel like that would take up more room then. I was telling him, you're you're not being smart about this. <laughs> that just doesn't sound like a good time at all. Oh. But that's not... I, you know, it just, I don't know it's, that it's the worst thing. It's definitely not the worst thing I've seen someone do with that dog, but it's the worst thing I'm going to tell you I've seen someone do with that dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to keep it clean. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, you're up. So this is, I okay, so this is going to probably be a, a really weird story. But for, I work in higher education, and for a lot of years when I worked in higher education, I worked in residence life and housing, which meant I was that guy who supervised the RA staff who lived in, you know, I like I already had a master's degree, but I was still living on campus in the halls, like doing all that good stuff. And at the beginning of the year, never, ever failed that, you know, within the first two days of classes starting, we'd always have a fire drill because someone would burn something because they had never cooked in their entire lives. Because uh, the building I was in charge of was 500 first year men, right? So none of them knew how to cook or most of them didn't know how to cook. And they would try to like even make a frozen pizza wouldn't work. They would burn it. <laughs> the whole building would go into fire alarm, whatever. So one year I was like, okay, building goes into full alarm, like clockwork the second day of school. I'm like, all right. So I, you know, look at, read the little fire panel and I'm like, I see where the alarm is tripped. So I go downstairs and here I expect to find like a pizza in the oven. Instead, what it was, was a cookie sheet full of hot dogs. <laughs> Somebody put a cookie sheet full of hot dogs in the oven and put it on like 425 degrees. <laughs> and I don't know how long those things have been in there, but they were barely recognizable as hot dogs anymore. <laughs> so then I sit down there and I wait because I'm like, I want to know who did this because I'm going to have a conversation with them about this. And I wait and I wait. And finally, someone comes downstairs and they walk into the kitchen and they see me there. And I go, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, good. Like, uh, 
did you did you leave something in the oven oh no no i didn't put anything in the oven oh so what brought you down here um i'm just lost and then they turned around and walked away like it was very clearly the guy who did it like when he was so embarrassed but yeah so someone you know baking some hot dogs in the oven trying to figure out how to cook them didn't go super great for them you should have threw a weenie at him <laughs> probably would have disintegrated like those things were it was like i thought it was like pieces of charcoal in there i was like what is going on somebody's cooking charcoal <laughs> it was bad it was really bad oh sorry for the yawn oh right in the mic too i made sure i got that right there uh next question <laughs> <laughs> It's from nerdish zero one zero 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 one one at dspin sixty seven on Twitter, and they ask how many of the movies that were nominated for best picture have you watched? One Black Panther. Hey, that's my answer too. <laughs> one. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch <laughs> Black Clans because I heard that's really good. Those are the only two I think I have any interest in whatsoever. Kyle. I've also only currently seen one, Black Panther, but I will probably see all of them by the time the Academy Awards roll around because I usually make sure to have at least watched all of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture because I'm a nerd like that. That's not that's not nothing wrong with that. I've seen, I saw Black Panther. Uh, Roma, I believe, is on Netflix. Now, it is. So you can watch Roma. Um I want to see A Star Is Born. Actually, I'm I'm, I'm surprised. Um, I'm a really big fan of that song for whatever reason. Um, have you seen like the one with Barbara Streisand and stuff? Uh, back in the day, um, yeah. I don't have very like fond memories of it. Um, I remember watching it with my mom. My wife just watched that Lady Gaga documentary on Netflix. So did my wife, and she really liked it. So um, it'll probably be like a Valentine's Day or date night movie we'll watch. Uh, Black Landsman, I really want to see. Bohemian Rhapsody, I really want to see. I forgot um, that one. I want to see that yeah. one. <clears throat> um, and then Vice, uh, I only really want to see that to see how awesome Christian Bale is as an actor, but I don't have any real want to relive the Dick Cheney years. <laughs> so I don't know that I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that too. <laughs> that exact same sentiment. Yeah. Okay, so... We have uh, the Haunted Ride, at Haunted Ride, came in guns blazing with probably 20 questions. I'm not going to read them all. We'll, <laughs> we'll hit a few, and then maybe I'll, maybe I'll tweet at you, Delvin, the ones we don't hit, and you can okay. still uh, answer their questions. Um, and actually, we covered, the first one was uh, uh, that we covered in the episode. Um, so, Delvin, what was your first gaming console? ColecoVision. It's the first one I played. That's the first one I played. The first game I played on it was the Smurfs. Nice. Mm. Kyle, what about you? Uh, First gaming console, uh, NES. NES? Yep. Do you remember your first game? Uh, It was the one that came with the Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt packing. Nice. Mine was the Atari 2600. And the first game I can remember playing was Pac-Man. But I have fond memories of Pitfall also. And I have not fond memories of E.T. (laughs) (laughs) but i did have it uh all right dalvin did you ever play pokemon on game boy yes i did it's trying to think i had blue blue yes cool cool kyle the only pokemon game i've ever played is pokemon go okay interesting (laughs) i never like it just is a series that i have just missed i i yep 
I thought about getting Let's Go Eevee because Eevee seems way cuter than Pikachu, but mm. I have Let's Go Pikachu. I play. <laughs> uh, I missed the Pokemon bandwagon. I think I aged uh, over it just briefly. Like when it came out, I was not watching. I feel like I was watching older cartoons uh, or I just totally missed it. I'm not sure. Older cartoons is necessarily a great like cartoons are cartoons, man. <laughs> um, but I didn't play any on the Game Boy. Um, I did try some on the 3DS, but they just I just couldn't get into them. Um, but I did have I did have and I'm having fun playing. Uh, Let's go Eevee with my wife because you can play that co-op, which I like. Yes. Uh, did you ever cheat in a board game or video game? Hmm. Not a board game. I can tell you that for a fact. What do we qualify as cheating in a video game? That's okay, what I was so trying to figure the out. The first thing I thought of was Game Shark. Yes, I've used Game Or Shark. Game Genie. <laughs> I've used both of those things plenty of times. So if you ask me that question, yes. If you talk about multiplayer and stuff like that, no. I have time for that. <laughs> I'm not doing that old. Oh, you got to get the high score. It'll be rubber band. No, nah, I don't care. <laughs> but with Game Shark and Game Genie to beat games, I used to use those things all the time. You had to. You couldn't beat NES games without those things. <laughs> yes, they were literally impossible. A lot of games were actually broken on NES. <laughs> so you needed like yeah. a game genius of like that to beat it. Okay, Kyle, what do you what do you what say you? I don't ever guilty. Dis- I don't ever <laughs> distinctly remember cheating in a board game. That doesn't mean that like when I was a kid I I didn't, but I don't ever remember doing it. Now, we have had that conversation though of if you misplay rules, are you cheating? No, you're not cheating if you miss. So, because that I have definitely done, where I'm like, I thought this worked a different way, and I'm just not doing it correctly. Because that I've yeah. definitely done. Oh, so let me ask that then, because yeah. this is something that comes up, like games like Monopoly. People kind of have their own rules with. Does that count? Now, you can house house rules are fine. So, oh. like uh, we did, like the you always put a certain amount of money in free parking. It was like, yeah, uh, one of each bill, except for the five hundred we'd put in the middle of the table. Because how we did free parking was um, anytime somebody would go to jail or something like that, I have to pay a fine. That money would go into the free parking. Yeah. Yeah. We did that too. Yeah. I think that's normal. Yeah. I think house rules are like, as long as everyone has a common understanding of how things are supposed to work, I think it's probably, I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, Video games. The only way I guess you could ever say that I really like quote unquote cheated in video games. I played a lot of call of duty back in the day. Uh, a ton of Call of Duty, especially from like three, and then like especially once Modern Warfare hit on, like that was like what I did every night. And I think it was World at War that there was one of the maps that for a while it was glitched that you could fall underneath. There was a way you could do it on purpose. I never did that, but there were times that I just ended up underneath the map. I would kill the other people because what else am I going to do? You know, like I'm down there. I didn't do it on purpose. It's either quit the game that all of my friends are that I'm playing in. I just kill everybody you know i could just not participate i suppose but what fun would that be that's true uh i game genied the crap out of my nes games at some point in my life there was just a time where i couldn't live without it um but other than that i never cheated in video games however i had a friend who we would play killer instinct on the snes all the time and he would quote accidentally pause the game every time <laughs> someone was doing an ultra combo. It was the most frustrating. I'm not friends with him anymore, and that, 
probably why. <laughs> I was going to say something, but this is a clean podcast. Because <laughs> he's a garbage person. That's yes, the clean garbage person. person. <laughs> and I, yeah, and you know what? That probably set the stage for the rest of his life. That's probably why he is where he is. <laughs> yeah, but you can't pause real life, unfortunately. You yeah. cannot. Um, and yeah, I cheated all the time in board games. I don't anymore, though. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to scroll through because there's a lot of questions in here. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, what is some advice you would give a young family with children who want to game? Have fun and enjoy. Like, take that time to enjoy the moment because before you know it, those kids are going to be grown. <laughs> and. They're going to have their own interests and tastes. And a lot of times, those interests and tastes are not going to align with yours. Yep, for sure. Kyle? Uh, I, As you know, I, I'm reticent to give advice to people with kids about kids since I don't have kids. <laughs> so I'm going That's to true. say, awesome that you want to spend time with your family. Nice work. And I'm going okay. to turn it over to you since you have kids. <laughs> so this is what I'll say. This is regardless of, I think this applies to anyone, whether you have kids or not family in general, find something that everyone can play. You, I mean, I have my own games I'm passionate about, but if you're trying to get a young family with children who want a game, I'm not going to try to push wingspan on a family of people. You need to find common balance and you need to be patient because there could be a lot of trial and error with that. So just because you try one game you think everyone's going to like and they're not interested don't give up. Find another game. Go to the game store with your kids. Let them pick a game. Or, um, as I say, punch down a little bit. Maybe play a game you think is too childish for you and let them have fun and you do your best to accommodate them. Like that's something a lot of people, like a lot of adults um, that I've grown up with or seen, they, they don't want to play kids games, quote, because... It's, you know, too childish or, you know, whatever their excuses. I played Catch the Fox on Christmas with, like, like my five-year-old little cousin. It's not a great game, but he had a blast. And, you know, he, he had to win every time, and he'd take everything away from everyone. But he had a fun time. And then we had a fun time doing that. And that's fostering, like, him to become a board gamer as he grows up. Like, he'll enjoy playing games with the family more. Um, so I would say find the game that worked for your kids, not necessarily what works for you. Um, compromise. And we'll end it, the question portion, with this question. Have you or any of your family members ever met people who immediately gave you red flags while playing online, and how did you handle it? Um, okay, I got, a, I got a story. I've had a couple of... Um, Internet stalkers <laughs> over Twitter, like where um, I've had situations where people would just message me, ah, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, how you doing? And then, then the conversation would like turn left real quick. And they would start asking me all kind of crazy questions and showing me pictures of weird people. Like, like one in particular like, was sending me pictures of people asking me, do I know this person? And saying we should hang out and like yeah, I'm like yeah, I can't rock with you. I I ended up having to block him because it was super weird, and it got to the point where it got like uncomfortable and creepy. Like yeah, 
Yeah, you gotta avoid those situations for sure. It has happened like at least three times. I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm not. They just so want to hang out. I'm not Will, I'm not Will Smith. <laughs> okay, not Will Smith. Kyle, what do you say? <laughs> can, okay, can you read the question one more time? No. <laughs> okay. I, 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 only because I closed my phone. Oh, no, that's fine. Okay. Like, the only thing, the thing I went through right away is, like, playing video games, like, in, and this doesn't happen anymore, because very rarely are people in voice chat anymore in multiplayer games, at least for me. I very rarely run into people who are, are running their mouth in multiplayer games anymore. When I do run into those people, I really, if people are saying things that are inappropriate or that they, I feel like, probably shouldn't be said i have no problems taking them to task right there and right then i have right. i oh yeah i have called out many many people in online gaming like whether it be in call of duty or, or in overwatch or whatever i'm playing if especially if i'm alone but even if i'm with my friends i've no i will take people to task and i take my friends to task when they say things that i don't like so i had as an example not putting names out there recently in overwatch like they announced that they came out with a comic that it talked about how um, Soldier 76 was gay. And yeah. one of my people that I play Overwatch with regularly said something about like, oh, did you see this? And I was like, yeah, I saw that. And he's like, well, why do you why do they have to be making everyone gay now? And I was like, dude, I was like, how many characters are there in Overwatch? He's like, well, like 30. I'm like, so this is two. There's two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, two and 30, like two does not mean make everyone not even close. And so we had we ended up having a conversation about it, but like I don't I don't go along with just whatever people say, and I I very much believe in the idea that silence is acceptance. So I'm going to call people out if they say things that I think are misinformed or misunderstood, and that doesn't mean that I'm always right or that I don't say stupid stuff. Sometimes I definitely do, but I hope people call me out when I do that. Like we had the one episode where I said something really bad at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> and you were like, "Hey, I don't think that's okay," and I looked it up, and I was like. It wasn't. I shouldn't have said that. And I didn't edit it out because I don't want people to think that like everything is always perfect. Like we're going to make mistakes. But when they make when you make mistakes, recognize that you did apologize for it and and rectify the situation and do, make better choices in the future. So, yeah, that is an awesome answer. Thank for you. For sure. Yeah. And I'm the one who's I'm the one who's here to make mistakes, not you. That's why it was a flustery <laughs> moment uh, for me. I mean, to answer the question, I almost exclusively would encounter people that were rude and um, uh, uncomfortable online. And every every console I have has everyone on mute automatically. So unless we're friends like on PlayStation Network or Xbox, you're on mute. Um, I'm sick of being in destiny groups where people are disrespectful and rude. I'm sick of playing call of duty where, um, children to adults scream obscenities just cause they can, cause they have the platform to do so. And while I 100% think you engaging in them is awesome. I can't, I get so stressed out about stuff like that. My, my overacting empathy uh, really affects me in almost everything I do in my day-to-day -day life. So I have a real hard time um, tolerating it. So I just have to shut it down. Um, and if I can't hear them say it, they're not saying it. <laughs> uh, it it's, you know, it's a passive, it's a passive way to, to take it, but 
I would just I would never play a game online if I was trying to um, to address everything that I hear. Obviously, if I hear someone say something and I think it's disrespectful or ignorant um, and it's with a group of people, I know, like if it's a friend, I will for sure say something. Um, but if it's people that I don't know, I would just I would just delete them out of my life and I won't play with them anymore uh, or I'll block them like same difference, really. All right. Well, hey, thank you, everyone, for the questions. We definitely appreciated. As we draw the podcast to a close, we want to go ahead and give you a recommendation for a well-rounded life. While we're clearly a gaming podcast, we want to just kind of throw out a recommendation, a suggestion, something that we're into right now that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Delvin, as our guest, is there something you'd like to recommend to the listeners? Star Trek Discovery. Oh, I'm not a Star Trek fan, but I love this show. It is so good. I bought the first season on Blu-ray because I wasn't paying CVS All Access. I, there's nothing I want to watch on CBS whatsoever. So well, I, I mean, there clearly is. Just it's just <laughs> that one show. I was like, I'm not paying to watch this one show on CBS and Hawaii Five-O reruns. So I, was like, <laughs> so I waited till it got on like Blu-ray for the season one, and I bought it. And it's it's amazing. It looks like a movie. It's so well done. The characters are enthralling. It's like it's almost like how the the new movies are it looks like the new movies but it's set in the old tv show time and it has such a good blend of well it's well acted and it asks questions that you don't really see in tv shows anymore in terms of like sci-fi shows where it's not just action 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 it's giving you kind of like a different side of things that's very good okay So are you then, do you like the newer set of movies that have been out recently? I thought they were fine. Okay. So are you not super sad that they're not making any more, it looks like? I'm not super sad. I thought they were good, but, uh, you know, it's just, you got three. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) how much further can they really go? Like, at some point, a series has to stop. And I think three's a good number. I would agree there. All right, Josh, do you have recommendations, sir? Yeah, I don't remember if I brought it up last week. I was I was hinting around it, but I started rewatching Psych on uh, Amazon oh, stop. Video. Stop! Stop right there. Yeah. Remember when I said the, the beginning of the podcast when I said I, I had something that uh, I was excited about? Yeah. This is the thing right here. I love it. I I'm, love Psych. My son loves Psych. It's it, you know what? I'm. It's funny you say that because like I'm watching it, rewatching it now, and. Um, I, I watched the whole series uh, when it was first out. I didn't see the movie when they released it like last year or two years ago, which is why I'm rewatching it so I can watch the movie. But um, uh, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking like this is a show I could have my son watch at a relatively young age because every episode, the main character, Sean, is like learning lessons from his dad from when he was a kid. So there's a lot to like to teach in this as well. Obviously, it's made as like a you know comedic uh, entertainment like show, but like there's a lot of life lessons, and I can't tell you how fun, how much fun I have watching him come up with new name nicknames for Gus when they go places, or uh, they're just they have such great chemistry together. Uh, I just genuinely have such a fun time watching it. Yes. Um, and even though like I vaguely remember each episode, it's still like feels so new to me when I'm watching it. I'm just I, I stay up way too late every night laughing my butt off watching it. 
perfect pop culture show for people who grew up in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it definitely scratches that itch. So I'm going to probably have to watch the show is what you're saying. You should watch Psych. It's, it's incredible. So good. If you like it, <laughs> if you like the techno shows, they don't take themselves seriously. Yes. It's great. Like, um, if, if you like like shows like Monk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like Psych. Monk. Yeah. Uh, man. Uh, I, I like, I'll put it this way. I like Psych so much. When, it found, when I found out it was ending, I didn't watch a bunch of episodes of it. So after it was over, I could go back and watch those episodes and enjoy them. <laughs> nice. How many seasons of Psych are there? Oof. I'll say eight. I'll find out for you. Oh, Jesus. I'll find out while you talk about your thing, because what you're going to talk about uh, is one of my favorite things on Netflix. Oh, awesome. Okay. So the thing I'm going to talk about that I'm going to recommend is a docuseries that I don't, I think we maybe have talked about it, but I don't think we ever recommended it. Because if we talked about it, I think it was prior to this segment existing on our show. Uh, that is a docu-series called Ugly Delicious uh, on Netflix. And in it, uh, Chef David Chang goes and he, every episode is about a specific type of food for the most part. So like the first episode is about pizza. And he talks about like, what makes good pizza, good pizza. But it's not just about what makes good pizza, good pizza in the United States. He kind of travels all over the world, talks about the history of it, talks a lot about how um, like immigration and things like that have affected and impacted the way we think about the food that we eat. Uh, so it's a really interesting look and take on just our food and, and the food that we take for granted because it's like pizza and tacos and barbecue and like bigger staples of the American diet that we have today. So it's really interesting. And he comes to like, he talks about how like the best pizza in the world right now is in Japan. And he's like, you know, if I tell that to people, people are going to, you know, flip out about it. He's like, but I genuinely believe that the best pizza in the world right now is in Japan. He also loves Domino's. And he likes Domino's, <laughs> right? You know, and he talks a little bit about how, you know, he, the food, the world of food and like foodie culture and like where food is right now, like pushes everything to like such a high level that like only beautiful things can be good, you know? And he talks about how like ugly delicious is like the food that your mom made. Like it is delicious food that is not presented the way you're going to see it in a restaurant, but it is, it is the stuff that like warms your soul. And that his goal is that when you eat food, especially at like a really nice restaurant, it should like spark that memory for you. Like in the movie Ratatouille about like, it might not be the exact food, but you have that feeling of like going home or it sparks a memory for you, but it's just a really cool look at food. And he, and like the taco episode, they like even go to like Taco Bell. I mean, they talk about like why Taco Bell tacos are the way they are. I mean, it's a really, really cool docuseries. Luckily there's going to be a second season of it. I don't know when that's coming out yet, but they have announced it as a second season. And he's, I mean, there's some of the episodes aren't perfect. There are some things that he definitely, um, he might say some things that's going to rub people the wrong way. He definitely, um, especially the barbecue episode, I think there's maybe some, uh, maybe doesn't get as many voices in that episode as he should have. But, and he has admitted to that and says that, yeah, he would probably do that differently if doing it again. But really excellent series, especially if you like food, it's really good. But even if you're not super into food, but like documentaries, uh, Ugly Delicious, I think is absolutely brilliant. And you learn a lot about, the history of food, like yeah. the chicken and waffles thing. Yeah. It was incredible and terrible all at the same time. Correct. Um, there's eight seasons of Psych, by the way. Okay. Eight seasons of Psych. But you can just watch two episodes and you'll know if you like it. And then yeah. Don't worry about eight seasons if you don't like it. <laughs> I, know. I know. But I'm doing that, you know, how I recommended a couple of weeks ago, that whole Game of Thrones rewatch thing. I'm in the midst of that. 
Yeah, but you've seen Game of Thrones. I know, but there's a lot of episodes <laughs> still to go before April 14th or whatever day that is that is coming out. So, all right. Well, with that, hey, Delvin, we really, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast this week. Where can the people keep up with you and all the wonderful things you do? I'm on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox. Check me out there for sure. Um, also, check out the Delvin Cox Experience. It's a great podcast. It's on iTunes, anywhere where you basically get your podcast at. And final important message, which is more important than anything else, is support your indie podcasters. Support PSVG. Support the podcast that you like, because if, if it's not for you guys there supporting us, we wouldn't be around. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you. That is an excellent sentiment to roll us out with. Josh, what do you say we wrap this thing up? Of course. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and Delvin especially. Uh, remember, you can find us on social media at Board with VG and use that hashtag, hashtag Board with VG, that is now only associated with one weird hot dog tweet, facebook.com slash Board with VG, and of course, Board with VG at gmail.com. We know we have some fan fiction on the way. Uh, you can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. And I'm on Instagram at baloney underscore borboni. Kyle. Awesome. You can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Remember, Saturday, January 26th from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., we are doing that game night with the Xbox Empire podcast, playing some Halo 5, again, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Find us over on Xbox doing that. If you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social medias because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And finally, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. <laughs>